Hi, welcome back to Alderpod. This is episode 21 of Alderpod, chapter 19, Princess Priceless. It was three hours after the reveal of the girls at court, and Ellen was relieved to be heading back to her room. The queen had retired early, and Ellen had been left to move among the diplomats, nobles, and young women alone, and neither Sylvan nor Richard had been anywhere in sight. Perhaps it was just a test, she thought. Regardless, although she was exhausted and felt that her performance had been quite satisfactory, she still hoped for one more dose of Vioc before falling asleep. She was still smiling with the buzz of recent wine when she said to Sir Velen, "'By the philosopher, my toes feel as if they'd burst if I put too much pressure on them.' Velen laughed. "'Chances are there'll be a staple of fashion in the coming weeks.' "'A beautiful profile to the foot,' laughed Ellen. "'But certainly not worth the pain. Egads!' Ellen was just about to say something more to Sir Velen when she noticed a strange sight as she turned the corner to her apartment. There was a crowd gathered before her door— Six Rose Guard, Nella, and a very flustered Davenport. Richard was there, too, looking ashen as she'd ever recalled. And when they all spotted her, they stopped speaking, and a few genuflected to her. That was unexpected, but they were knights who had not spent time guarding her. They would have to observe the formalities. There was no mistaking the grave looks on their faces, though. What? Has someone died? asked Ellen, when no one volunteered information right away. It was Nella who spoke. Davenport was holding her hands. Ellen knew the queen could not be dead, as she had just left her, but still. A plot's been uncovered, Nella said. To to kill the queen. To what? asked Ellen. She tried to move away further to her apartment, but the rose guard prevented her. It was Sir de Barris she recognized. The bastard held her gaze, his cool eyes a calm amidst the sudden storm. The queen has requested that we escort you to another place for the time being. You understand the delicate nature of the situation. Richard, tell him this is... But Ellen could not finish, for she realized with a sudden jolt of nerves that Richard was shackled. How had she missed that before? He averted his eyes. I see, she finished. She turned to de Barris. There are some things inside that I require. We will see to it that your effects are returned to you, princess, he said, as cordially as one could manage in such a situation. You will be briefed when you arrive at your destination. My destination, she echoed, before the two guards began ushering her in another direction entirely. The letter from Malus read, Eleonora, five things you should take note of immediately. Firstly, you ought to be watched night and day by your new bodyguard. Make her feel at home, be kind to her. She is the best blade we can spare. Secondly, Richard will be taken to the lower jail and await trial. He has been accused, you will have heard, of conspiring to entrap you and murder me. All precautions are being taken. Thirdly, look to Sylvan for news. Fourth, be very glad that you never conceived a child with Richard. And fifth, be extra careful, especially careful of yourself. Until the threat is removed, I must request that you stay within the confines of your temporary apartment. Ellen crumpled the letter and threw it into the fire. She shouldn't have done that, she knew, but the lack of Vioc for the last day had driven her to it. 
So far, she'd been instructed to remain within her quarters until her bodyguard arrived, and frankly, the last thing she needed in her life was a full-time wet nurse. As to an explanation, she'd been given scarcely more than a handful of details. Richard was implicated in a plot to kill the Queen, Sylvan may or may not have helped the Queen in the matter, and Abaris was heading a castle sweep to locate a mystery woman that, it was believed, was somehow involved in the plot. Of the thirty-odd women in the castle, excluding the Alder daughters at the moment, a fraction of the five hundred total, no one of importance had turned up. Not surprisingly, the Ardesians were under suspicion, but open accusation risked outright war. It was delicate enough implicating Richard Darlington to begin with, but so far the Ardesian diplomats had been as shocked and chagrined as the rest of court. The sorry excuse for Ellen's new quarters was scarcely more than a glorified broom closet, the bed had been thrown with a few furs, but the floor was deathly cold. All was stone. Ellen had no books, no prints, no needlework, and God damn it, no vialc. She wanted to tear the walls down with her own hands. Talking to fireplaces. She didn't know where the words came from, but they were there in her head. Ellen had been walking the perimeter of the room, dragging her fingers along the stonework, when the fragment had just spoken itself. How strange, she thought, and pressed her fingers to the wall, pausing again to listen. The words again. A potential risk. History in our family. You understand. Such issues. She pulled her fingers away this time, as if the wall itself were a fire. No, that couldn't have been the Queen's voice. How utterly ridiculous. Certainly she'd had certain anxiety issues in the past, but a bit of vialk every now and again seemed to do the trick. So what if she had to go the rest of her life in a slightly mistier haze than the rest? It was hardly the gravest sin of her kind. At least she didn't suffer the difficulties her mother did, but... A knock on the door startled Ellen so much she stumbled backward on her chair, stumming her shin. She cursed but righted herself in the ramshackle bedpost. It was a room for visitors of visitors, so far in the north wing that it was all but impossible to breach. Hence the choice. "'Come in,' said Ellen." Unless it's food, I don't want anything to eat. I've already said that. I don't have food. I'm here to keep watch. That voice. Ellen knew that voice. She opened the door a crack and was met with the gray-green eyes of La Belle of Fenley. Her lips quirked in a smile. No, said Ellen, trying to shut the door. This is not possible. I'll call the Queen. She'll have someone else assigned. I'm sorry to have troubled you. Ellen's lame attempts to shut the door were thwarted by Libby's impressive strength and her steel-toed boot. The rose guard grinned, a little too smug for Ellen's liking, and ushered herself in. "'The Queen suspected you might not be thrilled,' said Libby, as Ellen backed away from her. "'But that's not really the point, is it? I'm not here to be your friend, Princess, so don't worry. I won't be stepping on any toes.' "'No, I'm quite serious. This can't be.' "'It is. What other women do you imagine that the Queen would send to you?' Someone in the oak? The heart? Hardly. I'm a rose guard through and through. And though the situation is not exactly what I imagined it to be a few days ago, West Sullivan, asked Ellen so quickly that Libby's eyes widened in surprise. The knight of the rose shrugged comfortably. He's as wild as the wind. I don't trouble myself with his whereabouts, princess. Between you and me, he's a shoddy knight as they come. But at the moment he's likely preparing for his departure. But they can't be sending him away— not at a time like this, Ellen cried. Gods, but I sound like a madwoman. She couldn't control the note of panic in her voice, rising and rising with seemingly no end. 
Ruby took a seat in one of the two chairs in the room. He'll be back to visit you, I imagine, before he goes. I think his trip is being delayed a week, but I won't be going with him, suffice it to say. I'm with you, day in and day out. Just like old times, isn't it? Ellen tried to calm herself down by walking to the window, which faced, tragically, another wall to the castle. She was in the older wing, part of the original pre-collision structure that was restored in 200 or so and renovated extensively. It was a stinking hole, that's what it was. What was Maylis thinking sending LaBella Fenley to her as a guard? Didn't you know the woman was besotted with Sylvan? And worse, that her brother was practically a convicted felon? Even if Ellen didn't believe it herself. I want my things back, Ellen snapped. She was still in her robe, which was the only clothing she'd been allowed since her incident. Everything. I had slippers and mirrors and my books. Libby stretched out her long legs, her leather boots creaking, and she put her hands up behind her head. In time, they're scanning them now for remnants of poison, the like. Anything that could, you know, harm you. You won't be eating or, uh, drinking anything that isn't strictly approved while the accomplice is still on the loose. There are things I need. If you mean the Vialk, said Libby evenly, closing her eyes and then opening them again as if she were a cat ready for a long, luxurious nap. You're gravely mistaken. There won't be any of that for some time. Who knows what could have, could have done to you? I fear you were taking a little more than the doctor prescribed, at intervals not exactly as directed, you might say. That's not... You think the queen doesn't know? Libby asked, very serious. She almost looked as if she cared a fig for Ellen then. She has eyes everywhere, princess. You're just going to have to get used to a pair staring back at you. In time, her effects were returned to her, but everything was wrinkled and rifled through. Ellen was infuriated beyond belief. She saw that someone had chipped a favorite crystal bird of hers, and she threw it against the wall in exasperation, watching it explode into a million fragments. Libby was hardly moved by it, but she arranged for someone to come by and tidy things up. As she explained, housekeeping was not in her job description. The lack of Vioc was disturbing, to say the least. It had been at least a year since she had been taking the drug regularly, and after a full day without, Ellen was beginning to get stabbing pains in her back and stomach, and for growing. She vomited everything she ate or drank, and eventually Libby helped her into bed, where she slept fitfully, dreams dark and meandering. She dreamed she was immersed in a dark pool, filled with green water, and she was swimming to the top, but she could not reach it no matter how hard she kicked. She would drown. She would die. When she awoke, there was sunlight streaming in her window, though from where she did not know. How did light travel in a room such as this? She wondered blearily if it was just the frame of reference. She supposed it must be. She dreaded seeing Libby so much that she averted her eyes for some time, until she became aware that there was someone sitting in the opposite side of her bed. It was Sylvan. Libby? She's not here. I suppose you've come to say goodbye. Even in her sleepy state, she had enough energy for dark humor. She looked away from him wishing once and for all that he'd drop by to visit on a day when she didn't look like a bedraggled fisherman's wife. Yes, said Sylvan. His voice sounded thick, as if he himself had just arisen. I'm to leave in a few days, but uh, I'll be kept very busy. It will be very difficult for us to meet again. I thought I'd come by, as Libby said you weren't well. I suppose that's just as well. Perhaps it was better that I didn't rise. It seems hardly appropriate as it is. 
I haven't the faintest idea why you would even both come to see me at all. Sylvan grinned a little, but did not let the smile linger. It was my idea to install Libby here. No, no, you understand, you see. Libby's the only one who'd let me in here without question, and would manage a good alibi. So here I am. You have her to thank whether or not you'd like to admit it, you know. You'll be fine. She'll be gone before long, and you'll be able to go back to your regular life. My regular life, snorted Ellen, except without Richard this time. Isn't that what you wanted? asked Sylvan. I wanted freedom. I wanted to be left alone. You can start again. I'd rather die. I can't bear it again. Sylvan did not smile comfortingly or deny her words. He simply said, You will do what you were born to do, Ellen. You'll rule, you'll reign. I don't want any of it. Any one of those girls are more fit to be queen than I am. I can't conceive. I can't even speak my mind. I'm afraid I'm losing my wits altogether. Ellen, it's only been a few days up here. You can't tell me that you're letting this get to you so much. You can't let it. You have to rise above it. I don't want it, Ellen cried, snatching her hand away from Sylvan and turning away from him. She knew she was behaving like a child, but the matter didn't concern her at the moment. She felt panic rise in her again and thought of the incident with the wall earlier. How could she go on like this with Sylvan leaving and being a prisoner in her own home? She once thought that Sylvan understood her, that he'd sympathize with her, but here he was assuring her of her duties just like Malus would do. Why do they have to be so confoundedly similar? Sylvan sighed, standing now, and walked to the fireplace. Ellen couldn't help but steal a glance at him. He was, as she expected, more beautiful than she had words to express. Looking mournfully into the fire, the night's lashes were dark against his fair skin, his eyes reflecting trailing flames. "'What do you want, then, Ellen?' he asked, not looking at her. "'If not the entire realm, what more can you have?' The only thing I've ever wanted, she said, wishing she had the courage to say it. What's that? Sylvan asked, now looking at her squarely. She turned away. Damn it, Eleonora, he said to her, stomping his foot and then covering his eyes with his hand. It's no wonder you're so confused, you scarcely know your own heart. Ellen could feel her tears dribbling over her lips, and she licked them, tasting salt. It was true, though, what he said, at least from her, from his perspective— it wasn't that she didn't know her heart's desires, only that she feared to speak them. She feared that speaking them would somehow make them more real, and she would be bound to them. Words have such great powers, or so the bars would have them believe. It's you, she said at last. It's what? he said, taking a step closer. The words were gone. She'd let them out. And she began to sob now, scarcely able to repeat herself. But she was finally able to manage. All I ever wanted... It's you, Sylvan. He looked more shocked than she had ever seen him. In all their years, as friends, as cousins, they had never put words to it. They had certainly put actions to it, as they both remembered, but neither had said the words. Their coupling had been frenzied, hectic, completely of the moment. But they uttered no words during the course, and were found out so soon afterwards, and Sylvan sent away so quickly. But every day of her life, Ellen had known. The only face she wanted to see, the only face she could bear, was Sylvan's. She knew it was not uncommon for princesses and queens to fall in love, to take lovers, but that's not what she wanted of Sylvan. She wanted him fully, as her husband, as her companion. 
Their happiness was not contingent on their location. No, she didn't want him to be her king, but to live out their days in happiness and simplicity together. I'm sorry, she said. I shouldn't have said no. Please don't apologize, he said, still not moving. He was rooted to the ground where he stood, the fire casting a halo around his head. He studied her, brows down over his eyes, hands limp at his sides. She wondered what he was thinking. Once they had known each other's thoughts with scarcely a word between them. I cannot have things I desire, I suppose, she said softly. He was still silent, and her tears quickly turned to anger. Will you say nothing to me? she demanded, her voice strong now, steeled by her wrath. What do you want me to say? he asked. He sounded weary, worn. That you care for me, she ventured. That you love me. Eleanor, you do not know me like you used to, the knight implored. I am not the man that left you three years ago. I am a phantom of that man. I could not make you happy. But you do. Just the sight of you makes me happy. You are happy with me now because your life has been a misery, Sylvan said. And would that I could have rescued you from it. But I have watched, helpless, as other hands control our steps. What am I to do? Declare my love for you? Ask you to run away with me? It's folly, Ellen. I'll end up destroying us both. I don't care. It's better than this feeling I carry around in my breast all day long. Every day, she said, pressing on the spot below her collarbone. It's like a bruise, a bruise I cannot bear, spreading throughout me until all I do is but hurt. You can start over now that Richard is gone. Your marriage will be annulled. You can have any man you want, he said. You know that's not true, she said, pulling the covers from the bed and shivering as her feet touched the cold rock. You know that Malus is already planning to auction me off to the highest bidder. I cannot bear that again. I cannot be forced to bed a man I loathe, to let him touch me, to hit me. I cannot bear it. Sylvan took a step back from her. She had closed the gap between him, her shift billowing around her. She was trembling from the cold but did not care. The soles of her feet had already gone numb to the touch. They had not yet brought her in rugs, and she had not bothered with her slippers. What would you have me do, he asked, and she could tell that he was summoning every bit of his restraint to keep his voice low. He was gritting his teeth. Offer me one ounce of fecking comfort, utter one word of love or hatred. Tell me you don't love me, tell me you have not pined for me, that the look in your eyes was not meant for me, she said. She was close enough now to touch his face. She held up her hands, quivering with the cold, but did not make eye contact. Tell me you regret everything, every kiss, every caress, every... Ellen, tell me! We cannot escape this. She wasn't sure what he meant, for he said nothing more, but looked at his hands as if he were willing they were stronger. Sylvan could no longer control himself, he had muddled everything up with words, and now here Ellen was, practically daring him to love her, and he felt as if he would fold in on himself with the pain from it. Gods knew he loved her, wanted her, needed her. No other making with any other woman, and there had been many, in spite of their scarcity, had come close to that experience with her so many years ago. He had not been able to drown it in anything. But the darkness. How could he love someone if he were incapable of such dark things? And was he willing to give it up? It seemed to Sylvan that, as he stared looking at Ellen, so beautiful and sad, 
He did not deserve her, and furthermore, could never give up his own ability, whatever it was, to love her as completely as she wanted. What could he possibly bring to her but more years of misery, terror, and disappointment? But still, she was wearing barely more than gauze, and beneath the material he could see the outline of her beautiful breasts, so vivid still in his memory to other senses more enticing than vision, and watched her lips quiver from the tears. He wanted her desperately, and that frightened him. Sylvan de Loire did not want anything desperately. That was not his style. He simply took things without much of a thought. There was no need for desperation. Eleonora, he said, hating how weak he sounded. It isn't as simple as you'd believe. I live in a very uncertain world, and a very different world in comparison to you. But believe me when I tell you that should I have a chance, should I have had the choice, I would have chosen none other than you. But as it is, that freedom is not mine, and never will be. But something strange had come over the princess now. She had moved a few steps from him, her hand planted on the marble mantle of the hearth, her eyes unfocused, staring ahead. Libby had said she had not had any vialk, but the look was quite similar. Her fingers looked as if they were rooted into the marble, and her jaw was slack. Ellen, he asked, walking a few steps closer to her. She opened her mouth, and a rush of words spilled out in a voice so like Malus's that the hair on the back of his arm stood on end. She said, Must be done. There isn't much time to deal with her, to make sure she's fit and capable. Of course a match must be made as soon as possible. There is no way we can drag our feet on the subject. But I see that with the girls here now under our wing, should she not conceive, we have quite a handful of promising prospects to pick from. Then she shuddered, her legs buckling. Sylvan ran to her, helping her steady herself. She's, said the princess. The door swung open on its hinges, and Libby stood in the doorway, her red curls plastered with sweat to the side of her face. Get the feck out, she said to Sylvan. The queen's on her way. Sylvan scrambled, unsure what to do. Ellen's eyes were fluttering as she went in and out of consciousness, and Libby took her over, helping the princess into her bed. Get moving, hissed Libby, and Sylvan did as he was bade, slipping down at the door, trembling, and ducking down a dark passage, just as the queen, the Lord Chamberlain, and six rose guard approached Ellen's door. De Barris, Fulvert, and Coles, said Sylvan, two hours later before Captain Hasbert of the Order of the Alder. Though by and large the Alder was an order of honor rather than action, Hasbert was the exception. A thirty-year veteran and once an active member of the Rose Guard, he was in charge of deploying approvals. He was a burly man, but beginning to thin toward dotage. In the three years since Sylvan had seen him last, he'd lost weight in his face, and his eyes required the assistance of a set of bifocals to deal with the majority of his paperwork. As he held the paper, his hand shook. Sylvan was amazed to see, though, the corded muscle still on the man's forearms, and that the broadness of his shoulders had not been compromised with age. He must still attend drills. "'A good grouping,' said Hasbert, removing his glasses to rub the bridge of his nose. He measured Sylvan. "'You look like you haven't slept in a month.' As you know, there have been quite a number of unexpected events in the past few days. It does not afford me the luxury of sleep, I suppose, said Sylvan. He 
who smiled as best he could but could not fight the pull on his eyelids. Would that he could curl up by the fire and sleep as he once did as a child, down in the kitchens at night. He loved the clatter, somehow like a lullaby to him. And whenever he awoke, he would find that his mother had put an afghan around him. Hasberg nodded. Of course. Still, I'm surprised that the Queen is sending you south, considering the recent events with the assassin in the castle. But I suppose she believes that there are other capables here to protect. I know she's ordered her eunuchs to be trained, if you can believe that, to wield a new class of weapon she's been developing. Strange, that, but her decision. Still, I do not see LaBelle of Fenley's name here on the list. You have fought by her side since your enlistment, have you not? She's been assigned to Princess Eleanor's personal bodyguard, said Sylvan, the words still stale in his mouth. Yes, he had ordered the assignment, but he had not expected that the Queen would still be sending him on his harebrained mission to the south. He had no perception of how he and a handful of knights would make any impact with the Soderin, let alone manage to extricate Cathra Bath. The idea that Libby would get to spend every waking moment with Ellen made him, quite frankly, ill. But he'd have more difficult assignments in his lifetime. He was confident he would figure it out, if given time. Still, he was acutely aware that, as the Queen was likely arranging another marriage for Ellen, she wanted him as far out of the portrait as possible. Yet, that business with Ellen earlier. It was disturbing, to say the least. Sylvan had retired to his quarters, shaking so violently he drunk nearly an entire bottle of wine to quell it. He didn't get riled, but he couldn't get the sound of Malus's voice out of his head, the way Ellen seemed to be channeling her. And she was right about the corner. Perhaps odd quirks were part of the family tradition. Gods knew Sylvan had his own. He would try and speak to her about it later, if he had the time. If not, he would write a letter to her and have Libby deliver it. Perhaps she would find comfort knowing that they were more alike than he had thought. Though he prayed, it had nothing to do with the darkness. Alderpod is written, produced, and performed by Natanya Barron under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial share alike 3.0 united states license thanks so much for listening as for some notes let's see this podcast doesn't have too many notes um mostly i was very very fond of the lovers banter (laughs) between sylvan and ellen i am a little merciless in romance and do not allow them to even touch in this whole scene. I realized as I was going through it again, they get very close, but they don't actually touch. And um, I think sometimes people choose love rather than simply fall in love. Um, Whether or not that ever brings happiness, I'm not sure. But uh, Sylvan and Ellen are as star-crossed as you can get. I wouldn't say the most star-crossed lovers in the whole story, but certainly some of the most pained. They are both in their mid-thirties at this time, so by cultural standards, definitely both beyond um, probably what is considered any kind of appropriate age to be wed. I I don't think Sylvan ever had hopes of being married as a bastard. He's not exactly a huge candidate, considering women aren't exactly... uh, you know, just not, not a lot of women around, and um, Ellen will have to be remarried again, it seems. But where their 
where their love takes them, where their uh, personalities take them in the next couple of chapters and into the next book is definitely important. And looking forward to sharing that with you. That's all for notes. And uh, as always, you can contact me at aldersgatecycle at gmail.com. You can always leave comments at aldersgatecycle.wordpress.com forward slash alderpod. Um, always look forward to hearing from new listeners. And um, there's also the new Aldersgate wiki that I'm starting, and that is aldersgatecycle.wikia.com. Feel free to go in there and write, uh, write articles if you wish. I've actually had someone already starting on that, so that's pretty cool. Um, just fleshing out the world a little bit for those of you who aren't as invested in it as I am in a given day. Anyway, once again, thank you and look for Alderpod 22 coming very soon.